Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I'm listening to RTP, and I'm going to tell you why. I think this part is fly. They'll watch a movie show, talking smack about romance. Then Mikey says something dumb. Todd wears 10 pairs of pants. Paige, Mikey, and Todd. Paige, Mikey, and Todd. Oh, I love you, baby. Romance in the pod. Paige, Mikey, and Todd. Paige, Mikey, and Todd. Well, I need you, baby. Romancing the pod. Woo! Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Mikey, yeah, Mikey made us watch. Yeah, I picked it. Valley, Valley Girl. Girl. It's like totally cool, though. It's totally perpendicular, brother, or oh, whatever oh, oh, oh. she says. I can hear Todd's echo from I my know, living Todd's room. Such a loud person. I'm sorry, I have a like <laughs> spacious chest, so it like resonates more or whatever. Say it with your chest. Yeah, I would have that, but I have a big heart for people. And it's a medical condition. <laughs> yeah, it's a large heart. There's a baboon's heart in my chest to help me go. And a baboon's butt on his butt. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I killed the baboon myself. If you can kill the animal, you can transplant it. You can wear organ. it as pants. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. That, that's just science. So, Mikey, why'd you pick this movie? Tell me now. Uh, well, I'm going, making us watch every Nicolas Cage movie I think I possibly can. Uh, I've never seen this one, and this one's chronologically very early. Yes. Uh, 83, yeah. And I've never seen it, and I've seen a lot of 80s movies, and so I wanted us to experience together why we stayed in the valley with Paige. That is true. We are currently in the valley. In the midst of where most of this film was filmed and where it was set as well. It's like totally awesome, dudes. For sure. It's titacular. <laughs> I don't understand what the teenagers are talking about with their with their language. It's kind of like when I watched Euphoria, and I don't understand what they're talking about with their language. It's definitely Los Angeles Simlish through most of this <laughs> film, for sure. <laughs> that is so accurate, yes. <laughs> the fashion, though. The fashion. The fashion. I mean, oh. I can see now this became like an iconic movie like for the 80s. It like set right. the stage. Yes, yeah. But it it does sort of have like a 70s sort of look and feel a little bit because it is sort of like the colors of the 80s are starting to come in, but it's still very brown, which is like very 70s. It's kind of like a 91 or 90 movie that feels like an 80s film. Yes. Yeah. Like a cocktail. Yeah. It's that close yeah. turn of the century or turn of the decade yeah. kind of thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I um like is a strong word. Oh, Mikey, I fully love this movie. <laughs> like, don't be ashamed. I, 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 did, I had a good experience with it. I enjoyed watching it with the two of you like today. We watched this under the best of circumstances, and that is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of this show where Uh, we just watch the shit together, and it's so much fun. And eat banana bread and chips. 
chips. So if you're wondering why this episode isn't as funny as you usually are, it's because we made all the good jokes without you. <laughs> we got it out ahead. Of, we blew our load <laughs> earlier. We did make some banger jokes that we're going to be like, hey, remember that time when we watched this uh, 30 minutes ago and we made that joke? That's That was funny, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, it was interesting. It was... <laughs> And again, Paige like misremembered an '80s movie. Like it's I just totally like, did. It's like "Can't Buy Me Love," which like she's like, "No, it takes a dark, dark turn." I still argue that this takes a dark turn when we have high schoolers doing rails of cocaine off a bathroom sink. Like, yeah, that's a little dark. It's just like Euphoria. Also dark. Yeah, it's like Euphoria, except less sexual exploitation. Except we know that there's not fentanyl in that cocaine that they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's probably better coke in general. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it was cute. It's a cute story. I mean, it is Romeo and Juliet, right? There's the Romeo and Juliet A plot, and then there's the graduate B plot. Which they give up on. Which I'm only saying that because I heard Paige say that. I have not seen The Graduate. <laughs> yes, I had to explain the multiple graduate references in this film to Todd, which, by the way... Are plentiful. There are a lot of them. We have to do that at some point. I would love to. I love that movie. Not not because it's a feel-good movie, but because it's beautifully made. But I feel like she's committing a crime. Like, if they had gone through with it, it would be a crime. Yes. Who, the stepmom in this movie? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. How old was she? It does not say. Okay. What are your laws here? I think it's the same as Tennessee. Our, our laws, basically, if you're under 18 uh, and you're pretty close in age, we kind of let it go. Yeah. But if you're over 18 like if if a let's call her a 30 year old mom stepmom tried to get with a 17 year old boy that's very very frowned upon (laughs) for sure but there's no way that high schooler wasn't 22 at least oh the actor for sure but the character in the film yeah i mean the only way it would be i guess quote uh, okay is if he was an 18 year old kid and it's not okay in the sense of like that's fine to do right it's okay in the sense of she wouldn't get jail time for doing it correct i mean ultimately i think it works out all right because he just fucks her stepdaughter right and it's like cool or whatever you know yeah yeah yeah. but if they're seniors and they're all 18 and the stepmom's like 23 and the dad's dead there's a lot of money there there's a lot of single ladies and i think there's still a power dynamic that is very problematic in that in that case uh, yeah <laughs> oh for sure because she's an adult woman who knows you eat sushi with what looked like crunchy peanut butter yeah that was so strange like what were they doing in this movie I just meant the case in the case of like she is parenting one of his friends, his peers, yeah, and is an authority figure. Like there is a lot to unpack there. Like if it was just a random, you know, twenty-three-year-old, eighteen-year-old, yeah, that's probably not that weird. <laughs> you know, it's not great, but it's not not that weird. Let's talk about Nick Cage. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about the most important thing about this film. I was hoping you'd bring up 80s Adam Driver, because yes. <laughs> That's what we settled on watching this together, that Adam Driver is today's Nick Cage. Yes. Mm-hmm. It hit me in the... In right between the two close together eyes, mm-hmm. right above the two large nose. It honestly slipped between that gap in his front teeth at this point in his life. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like, I just, I don't know. Adam Driver gives me young Nicolas Cage vibes now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm here for it. I think we need more actors in the Nicolas Cage lane. Remake Face Off with Adam Driver. I want a Valley Girl with Adam Driver. Sure, he's 35, but so is every other teenager in this movie. I want a Star Wars sequel trilogy with Nick Cage. There you go. That just takes place at Hollywood High. 
Yes. We do need to talk about the low, low stakes of the plot. Extremely, extremely low stakes in this movie. And and this was not my first time seeing this. I saw this as a very young person and perceived it much harsher. Today, adult, you know, vision, <laughs> hindsight 2020, I'm like, all of this is meaningless because none of these people fuck good and you're going to go away to college and meet other people that are not these people. Thank goodness. Right. But like. As a young tween watching this movie, I was like, everyone in this is horrifying and are so cruel to each other, and I can't deal. And also, they're doing cocaine in high school. <laughs> like, I look at it now and I'm like, man, the 80s were wild. But as a kid, I was like, this is, it's too much. This is very scary. <laughs> if I had watched this as a kid, I probably would have been like, oh, that powder smells awesome i get is is that like <laughs> pixie sticks for your nose like i wouldn't have known any better i was an idiot if i watched this i kid i would have been like there's boobs in this. <laughs> there are boobs in this although at least one set of boobs makes me feel bad the second set i'm i'm uh, both of them kind of make me feel bad <laughs> oh because of the circumstances at which they reveal their boobs yes yeah i agree yes absolutely the the first boobs and i guess we'll talk about it when we get to it but I, the first time i watched this it upset me so much both that her friend would do that to her uh but also the way that the friend felt afterward i was very impacted by the first time i saw this movie where i felt very oh, the very way he was like you wouldn't want people to find out about this but don't worry i I won't tell them wink yes Tommy's always a dumb douche like he is always a villain every time he's on screen yeah and that is juxtaposed with Nicolas Cage who was also always a villain when he's on screen <laughs> but likable maybe I guess I he's considerably less of a villain sure. I think one of the things that makes me saddest in that scene is that we clearly get a shot of her feeling bad and some conversations from her friends at other points about them questioning her self-esteem and how she expresses that and how she feels like she has to right. be physical in this way. And that makes me very sad because while I fully want everyone to have consensual pleasurable sexual experiences when they feel they are ready to do so and we shouldn't shame people for having healthy sexual experiences or unhealthy ones there should be no shame we, but like you know sometimes things happen to you whatever i felt very very sad for her because i felt like her friends slut shame the hell out of her yeah. and she just feels bad mm -hmm. and she's trying to feel not bad and it's very sad to me and it was sad the first time i saw this and even today i was like oh girl don't worry you get to be tommy pickles later it's fine <laughs> i'm sure you live in a much nicer house than me now the toxic masculinity runs wild but the main plot is just that nicholas cage dresses slightly different than other people in this film so her friends <laughs> right. don't want her to be with him and he lives two miles to the west or whatever so hey but two miles in la is like an hour and a half Michael, he goes to the poor high school you know hollywood high hollywood high well that's the public high school but i think she's also in public school just yeah. slightly north she is she's in a valley high school yeah the, the stakes of this movie make no sense i know it's so dumb it's like you can't date Nicolas Cage. He wears a vest. Like, what are we doing, guys? Who cares? So here's what I think is really funny, because we have not done Clueless on this show yet, but Clueless happens 12 years after this movie. Oh and there's a whole scene in Clueless where she's like, we don't want to go out to the valley party. It's gross out there. <laughs> and they drive from Beverly Hills, just slightly south of Hollywood, 
to the valley to slum it as opposed to this movie where they go from the valley to hollywood to slum it and i thought that was pretty funny it's pretty funny it's called gentrification guys i that is what it is <laughs> yeah i love that th in the 80s that these two people were like way different cultures and like everyone just was like they're just so different we can't even understand them they like slightly less synthesized rock music <laughs> i know the music was almost <laughs> identical which is really funny to me and I, at one point i was like is it because he wears jeans and all of her friends wear khakis like they're already someone's stepdad like what are we doing i mean all of her male friends dress like they work at the roofie store like every one of them uh, and nicholas cage just looks like he's maybe not showered today like he doesn't look any less socioeconomically than they are he just chooses to dress differently yeah like whatever like who gives a shit there are no stakes in this movie yeah that that place is the worst restaurant for a first date uh Ruferty's. <laughs> you'd think at this point they'd see it coming <laughs> we can't blame the victim like that you're right Paige. but they should have not dressed like that what with shoulder pads and wearing full sweaters and the waiters at Ruferty's. oh <laughs> yeah because every time i saw someone wearing something in this like half of the outfits in this movie are unhinged and then the other half i'm like i want that right now i want to put that on my body two seconds from now and walk out into the world and have people be like where the fuck did she get that like i would fucking murder we it we have to talk about one of the jackets we see in this movie it's like a windbreaker and it's on the guy that brad it's on brad, it's on brad. yes i want that if you're a costume maker reach out i would buy that like i want that jacket but largely because it's atrocious and I love it. Yeah. I was obsessed with two specific outfits. Three. Three specific outfits. Uh, number one, which we see in the opening montage, was the the piano sweater. Yes. Yeah. Right? And then very soon after that, E.G. Daly is wearing one of the coolest jumpsuits I've ever fucking seen in my entire life, and I have to make one now. I'm gonna have to find a way to make it happen, but it's got a diagonal zipper across. It looks like she is, like, from a space crew that only exists to bring fashion from other planets to Earth. Like, it's the it's Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, but in 1983. Uh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. That is the best description of it, too. Like... It is a future fashion forward yes. alien race <laughs> coming to help you like the world dress better. And I'm here for it. Yes. Whatever planet Juno Birch, RuPaul and all of our favorite favorite drag queens came from oh, yeah. to grace us kind of like the ancient aliens. But for fashion, uh, wherever they came from, that's where this jumpsuit is it's from. It's from wherever the guys from the Earth Girls are easy planet. It's from the same place. Yeah, oh. it's gotta be. No, the next <laughs> outfit I love is probably from their planet because it is a very fuzzy perfect pink sweater because it's just a shade it's not hot pink it's not neon but it's not millennial pink or baby pink it's that in between pink a very kind of like atomic vintage pink but it was furry like fluffy like it looked so soft and she had shoulder pads in it so it had like some structure to it and i was like i need that sweater in my life and that i could maybe make why did people wear shoulder pads i think to create a shape and like i usually only wear them or put them when i'm like making clothes in blazers yeah. is usually the only time i do it but there's a part of me that's like maybe a sweater needs one or 
epaulets with fringe. I mean, the possibilities are endless, but first I got to make that jumpsuit. My favorite color is fringe. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Yes. I have a whole closet of fringe. I just stumbled on what I think is a disturbing fun fact page. Oh, I wonder if I have it because I have a number of fun facts, but go ahead. I didn't even mean to. I was looking for box office information just now and I came across that they did a remake of this in 2020. They did. It was not well received. Well, when you cast Logan Paul as one of your main characters, I bet I can guess why, Paige. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But there are some pretty big name people in this. Like E.G. Daly is in this as Logan Paul's mother, but still. Oh, because it was, wasn't it flipped where like she's rough, he's preppy, I think is the new one. Who knows? But Judy Greer is in it. I mean, there's some like people you would recognize in this. I, I don't watch things with Logan Paul. Yeah, that makes sense. But what did you guys think overall about the movie? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. It was an enjoyable experience. I don't know if I would watch it again by myself. I definitely wouldn't, but I really enjoyed watching it with you guys. We've had a blast so far, although we've just sort of started our L.A. adventure. But, I mean, we've already made terrible culinary decisions, and uh, it's been... 10 out of 10. it's been a blast. So, like, I can't wait. And watching this movie with you guys was a blast, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. We already stayed out way too late. Our experience has been (laughs) (laughs) animal-styled. Yeah. It's been great. I woke up early and had a me day. Mikey did have a him day. And I'm going to send him to Porto's for potato balls tomorrow. Uh, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you think maybe we should just go through this movie scene by scene then? Yeah. Let's get to it. We're going to pretend that there's not a murder documentary all three of us want to watch waiting for us after this recording. We're going to take our time. This episode's going to be about 30 minutes long. We're not going to rush this. We're going to do just a great a job. We're not waiting to order a pizza and watch all of it at the same time. This is not a joke, listeners. We were setting up to record and Mikey got an alert on his phone that season two of the Murdoch murders came out on Netflix. And he was like, we can't record tonight. And he was dead ass serious. I hope they solve that one teen's murder. We got to do it. I know one of the sons did it. I can't wait to see who he kills in the third season. Like, do you guys <laughs> want to get into this movie so we can go through it scene by scene? Fine. Yeah. We open on a shopping montage. Massimo <laughs> is following Laura around no, a series of no, stores. No, Paige. That would have made this so sexy. This film <laughs> opens up, and what I would just say was maybe an AI algorithm trying to imitate human speech. I didn't know what this group of girls was talking about for 10 minutes. I did think it was a lot of fun to like also not understand what like our parents' slang was. Yes. So I was like, oh shit, I don't even know what they're saying. Like This is like watching Euphoria now. The words are different, but I recognize it as gibberish. Well, it was regional slang specifically. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it is very similar. It's just like hanging out at the mall shopping. They're not really saying anything. I mean, I can boil this whole montage down into like four sentences, and that is they are shopping. We meet our sort of four main female friends, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about how hot Brad is going to come to the main girl's house for a party that's it it's it's not the main girl's party it's it's her friend's party who has the hot stepmom right yeah yeah the stepmother's the stepmother's making peanut butter covered sushi (laughs) that she's trying to spread with chopsticks i was like those aren't for spreading listen i like pad thai too but you don't want to combine sushi and pad thai flavors Put the peanut butter away. Yeah, I have no idea what it was supposed to be. It, it looked like bean dip or peanut butter. It was weird. I mean, this is like 20 years before people like get sushi outside of California. So I don't know what was going on before then. Who knows? Yo, I bet people in Nashville watched this in 83 and they were like, they eat that? 
<laughs> California, I'll never move out there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they're eyeing Brad at the mall, and they're like, he's a party. And then the other girl's like, he's the hottest hunk. He's so hot. And they're like, you're already dating Tommy. And she's like, yeah, but he's all brains and no bot. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? Which isn't really his problem. She literally says something like, his body is banging, but his brain is bad news. I wrote it down. He's got the bod, but his brains are bad news. <laughs> I love it. Like, Ladies. It's a crazy thing to say. Guys, that's my new dating profile. Hell yeah. My body's banging, but my brain is bad news. Mm-hmm. Well, and they literally, right after they're done eating at like one potato, two potato or whatever, <laughs> they go and they, they go on the escalator and they pass Tommy oh. and Tommy's just like, hey, babe. And she's just like, today no phone calls we're breaking up and he's like no other val dude can touch me and it's just like i hate all of you <laughs> i'm not rooting for anyone we did we said this while we were watching it all of this is happening while they're dressed like the meanest people i ever talked to at church yes like you know like they're dressed like 45 year old women as kids oh oh you mean like like, like frontiersmen <laughs> what because you're mormon they exist contemporarily <laughs> timed like the Mormons aren't Amish people. If anyone would have an interplanetary jumpsuit, it would be a Mormon. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I mean, they do sort of wear interplanetary suit underwear. So I know it is what it is. It just needs more zippers. A pair of the LVs. Yeah, they've got flaps. They're still rocking the flap technology page. Yeah, get with the zippers. Fuck those flaps. I could get my hands on some garments if you guys wanted to walk through. Mm. Uh, somebody actually offered to send us their garments uh, over at Colt Podcast. I never get anyone offering me to send them send me their garments. <laughs> Mikey, you're going to get garments thrown at you at stage on, on stage at Flappers on Sunday at our live show. If you throw a bra at Mikey during... Oh, wait, the live show will have been over by now. <laughs> By the time this comes out, I will turn so red. Mikey, you are already red and we're just talking about it. (laughs) Anyway, they cut to the beach because they were like, we spent all mom and dad's money and now we got to go lay in the sun and get skin cancers. (laughs) But this is like them also talking about the party. But this is where Nick Cage's friend overhears about the party and like gets the address. Yeah, because they're in line to get food or something. Yeah. Yeah. But this is also where we see Nick Cage's chest hair for the first time. And it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. He shaved it into a giant heart VS shape uh, on in the middle of his chest. It, it does look like the Superman symbol. Todd is correct. I said that while we were watching the movie, but I, I think I'm, I think you're right, Todd. Yeah. Like he, he shaves it. So his shirt, when it sets on his like skin, it's not touching hair. The hair is just like the section that shows through the shirt. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. It's wild. It makes sense. I shave my down unders to have the Superman symbol. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage is obsessed with Superman. Like, was obsessed with playing him, did yes. costume tests to play Superman, and the pictures are nuts. They're wild. They are crazy. I love them. Um, spoilers, because I know we've talked about this. In The Flash, he has a cameo playing Superman. I still have no intentions on watching yeah, that no, or I'm any good. other superhero movie. I'm just not at all interested. 
If it's not Loki 2, I don't want to hear about it right now. Unless that superhero movie is The Pope's Exorcist 2, because I'm watching that shit. Oh, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Yeah. I, as a connoisseur of chest hair... <laughs> I've seen your collection, page. We're at your house right now, and it is... <laughs> yeah, right? Don't talk about Jake like that. <laughs> I did meet Jake for the first time today, and I need the listeners to know that I immediately apologized for making it weird every chance I got. <laughs> But then did you immediately want to make it weird again? Yes. We did hug. Like, I did hug him. <laughs> so, like, maybe... Did that... you touch my husband? <laughs> You're lucky this is an airport. <laughs> you can't bring that up, Paige. That's something the listeners <laughs> have no context for. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. As a connoisseur of chest hair, I've seen people groom to have it be more of like a triangle over the top at the pectorals and then sure. maybe not as much on the belly or whatever. Right. But this, what he has done is way too high, where it's like above his pecs and onto like the tops of his shoulders. It's like a seagull made of hair is flying over his chest. It's a cummerbund of hair. No, a cummerbund would be around your waist. That's true. This is the second reference Mikey has made about a cummerbund incorrectly tonight. One on mic, one off mic. And I'll say this. No one tell Mikey what a cummerbund is. And let's just see how far this rabbit hole goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like all just decide to do that. Todd, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick up a cummerbund when I go to that uh, bakery that Paige is talking about. Okay. <laughs> they're delicious. They yeah. make the best cummerbunds. Yeah. Uh, Cream filled <laughs> cummerbunds. Mm. <laughs> uh, actually, he's my favorite actor from the British Isles in recent memory. <laughs> Cream filled cummerbunds. Yeah, he's a great superhero though. If yeah, ever... he's so good. Yeah, but buttermilk cummerbund is my favorite. <laughs> uh, Pickle snatch doodle face. I love. Him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a true story. When I back when I was let's just say watching things from the BBC illegally, I got to watch the the BBC show Sherlock like Sherlock. three years before everyone else did because Pirate Bay existed. Correct. And I was telling my friend about it and he was like, Who plays Sherlock? And I said, You're gonna think I'm making up this name, <laughs> but it is his name. And I said, you know, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. But at that point, no one in the U.S. knew who he was yet. <laughs> right. I didn't know who the fuck he was. I just thought he was good, you know? And he was like, okay, you're fucking with me. This show doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, it's not Pip Pip Cheerio McFish and Chips. <laughs> like, what? Like, totally. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, but yes, when Mikey said Cumberbun around the shoulders for a hot second, I was like, this is the second time today. I don't think he knows what a cummerbund is. <laughs> I don't. Mikey was clearly never in middle school show choir, and it shows. <laughs> it shows. Yeah. Much like show choir, it shows. <laughs> and as someone who has sung Run Run Little St. Nick a lot, I know exactly what a cummerbund is. I don't know what these references are, and I don't even want to ask. <laughs> Can I tell you about my favorite TikTok I found? It's an account of two girls who just perform musicals as if middle schoolers are doing them. And it's like, middle school does Chicago. And they're just like, you can lie. And they're like intentionally doing it bad, like teenagers. And it cracks me up every time. It's real funny. <laughs> my favorite thing about the way Paige asks questions is that she asks and then does not wait for an answer and starts explaining. <laughs> You're welcome. That's my favorite way to get asked. I, I like when people ask me questions and they know the answer. Mikey, do you know what a cummerbund is? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> it's a, an elastic piece of plastic that goes around your stomach. Plastic? That's so close, but yet plastic? so far away. <laughs> is it like stretchy? Like no. Like Lulu Bellies or something? <laughs> Lulu Bellon, if you will. 
I think I think Mikey thinks cummerbunds are spanks. In a way, Paige, they could be if they were tight enough. Not really. Did they go on? They go over the suit or under the suit? Over. They go over the suit, Mikey. Well, they go over. They don't. They go under your jacket, but over your shirt and pants. Yes, exactly. And I always get the control top cummerbunds. So like. <laughs> Todd, that's funny because I thought you would have been more of a power bottom cummerbund. <laughs> All of this started with us talking about how bonkers Nicolas Cage's chest hair is in this movie, and it ended in a sick ass burn. <laughs> what is this roast battle last night? Uh, I'm gonna have to that later, though, for real. <laughs> I never wore one to prom or anything, so I guess that's oh, why I wore really? it. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait to find out once you find out what a cummerbund is, what you thought that was called all along. Because I know you've seen one. <laughs> oh, you mean a deflated fanny pack? Wait, are you Googling it right now, Mikey? Yeah, so it's just the thing that Italian waiters wear. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a Benicio Cumberbund <laughs> batch, if you know what I mean. It's formal sumo wear. <laughs> Welcome to formal sumo wrestling. <laughs> anyway, uh, they find out where the party's going to be. He has bonkers chest hair. And while they're on the beach, they kind of like lock eyes and have like a moment. But she's wearing sunglasses. Yeah, she might not have been looking at him at all. <laughs> yeah, she was looking at the concession stand. Like, I hope they're getting me what I asked them to get me. I hope she brings me a thick, juicy corn dog. Like, just eight inches of dog. And Nicolas Cage is over there like, damn, that bitch is thirsty. Mm-hmm. And she just was actually thirsty. Thirsty. It was very sunny. Yeah. You gotta stay hydrated. Gotta. You're at the beach. And you got all that cocaine in your system. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, we do from there cut back to her house where she's getting ready with her friend. And they're actually talking about their other friend, played by E.G. E. Daly, where they're kind of talking about how she has shared some of her information about sexual experiences with them. And they're like, we have to look out for her because she's got problems. Like, they're basically talking about her as if she's a charity case. It's very, it's not great. No, it's terrible. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Every person in this movie is not great And that's like our best characters Are just like not great Yeah that's who we're supposed to invest well, in Because guys they're all teenagers yeah. If there's one thing I know about teenagers They scare the living shit out of me Yeah hell yeah No they're not great That's the joke I was going for But I, I get what you're saying Well that's, that's accurate yeah Well you two make me feel like I'm living a teenage dream it's the musical episode. No, I'm Music plays every scene of this film. This film is basically like a CD. That is true. But thankfully, it's I Melt With You, which is one of the best songs ever. And so I, I'll let it, I'll exclude it. Well, that's only one of them. There are maybe three. It's two of them, Todd. It plays in entirety twice. Well, yeah, they play the song <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You're right. Todd, what's the montage count on this film? There's, oh my God, like nine. There's so many montages. <laughs> I oh, so many. Yeah. They're the same amount as in 365, but less sex. 
but only slightly less sex, to be honest with you. Well, our Paige, Paige. there's way less sex in this movie. Dude, Massimo is going to get, if Massimo's in your film, it's going to get at least two roars on the roar scale. There isn't a Rorschach test like that can scale low enough for this movie. Like this movie is not sexy in that way. I don't know. The guy who delivers groceries and the stepdaughter are both age appropriate and consenting. And I was kind of down for them. Yeah, Paige. And they had octopus at the party in the sushi. Because she's in the tentacles is the joke I'm making here. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Because Paige would put those tentacles in her mouth. Yeah. That's a sea lion roar. I know I know. Paige love octopus because all that peanut butter on that sushi, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's the only way to get the tentacles to lick it off. That's uh, <laughs> fucking, fucking disgusting. Oh, my God. Anyway, we they go to leave the house, and this is where we meet her parents for the first time, who, by the way, I looked it up after we finished watching the movie. The uh, actress playing her mom is only nine years older than her. Yeah, of course. Uh, which is why they look roughly the same age. They really do. Because they are roughly the same age, yes. Not only do all the teenagers dress like 47-year-olds in this movie, uh, with the exception of that kick-ass jumpsuit and that piano sweater, oh, yeah. but... The parents, every single person's parents looks the same age as the teenagers. It is mind boggling. Well, they did have kids younger back then. They they did, but like not that much young. Not like nine. Not nine years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we they show like old pictures of the parents at one point, and I was like, they clearly just put a wig on that guy. Right. <laughs> like they didn't even try. Yeah. He's aged well. Oh man. He has he's aged well. Just like Steve O. Health healthy living, y'all. Anyway, uh, we get to the party, and Tommy is... He's a big old dumb dick. You can say it. Tommy <laughs> might be 80s bully villain, like, prototype. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Like, I think like I think Stalin in Better Off Dead <laughs> might have been modeled after Tommy, because he unironically is like, look, I'll take you back if you want. Like, it's so fucking weird. It's just... But he's so clueless. Like, I'll take you back if you want. She And she had just broken up with him on the quickest escalator breakup I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then he meets her at this party as like, I'll take you back or whatever. And she's like, no again. Right. And then he goes back to her friends and says, she can't live without me. Like, you've been rejected yeah. twice by this woman in 24 hours. She can aggressively live without you. He also always goes to her friends and is like, you got to tell her to take me back because it's like bad for her that we're not together. And you're like, show your work. <laughs> like, I don't understand how this is bad for her. And she seems to never like him. And yet he's the like, will she, won't she versus Nicolas Cage, who she she seems to genuinely like, right. even mm -hmm. though he is clearly a vampire. Like, he's he's the Jacob to Nicolas Cage's Edward. Yes. And like, I it is unfathomable why she would ever she doesn't even like being around Tommy. So like, why are we even doing this? She's like talking to her friend. She's like, I just don't know about Tommy and the camera cuts to Tommy just like aggressively murdering a 12 year old. And she's like, I just don't know if the personality is there for me. Yeah, I just don't know. But he's so cute, though. And his parents are rich. But his brains <laughs> yeah. are bad news, guys. So, <laughs> yeah, his bot is banging with his brains are bad news imagine just cutting that dialogue over twilight as jacob's just like what up loca but you'd have to say it like all serious like case do would say it his body was banging but his brains were bad news <laughs> say it your brains are bad news <laughs> yes page this is the bot of a killer bella oh 
Say it. You're like totally not awesome. (laughs) For sure. But this is the scene at the party where we meet. First of all, we meet the stepmom of her friend for the first time, who again looks the same age as her. Would smash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mikey, Mikey would smash. Well, and so would this ki- like, this high school kid. Like, if it had been the mom that called him over, he'd have smashed mama. You know what I'm saying? I don't think so. I think their plot is he doesn't want that. He wants the daughter. But they don't really go into it much. I don't know, because he does, like... They, it's it's very murky. But that, that's how it ends. He does, like, circle back like he's going to leave. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, I don't want to have sex with the daughter. I want to hold out for mom. And yeah. And he's like, well, sex, though. So he goes to the house. Well, it's it's supposed to be like The Graduate. And that's fair, and I haven't seen it, so... Like, there are very specific references. But in The Graduate... Now, The Graduate is a tricky movie in general, and... I wouldn't call it a romance, but I guess technically you, you uh, maybe. I'm sure we'll do it. But he has a, an affair with the mom under both the influence and kind of some weird pressure. And it's it's an uncomfortable situation where she very clearly is attempting to take advantage of him and the power dynamic kind of shifts and it's like a whole thing. Uh, and then he gets set up on a date with her daughter uh, who comes home from college and then he and the daughter seem to actually like each other but then the daughter finds out what was going on and is like oh my god I can't even look at you like this is I can't right yeah. and goes out to marry someone else and he breaks up the wedding and then they run off together yeah, that's, that's, that iconic shot is like mm-hmm. that iconic shot but in that shot I feel like it's not like hey they're going to be together forever that shot is like what the fuck did we even just do? Oh yeah, I mean I've seen that shot and right? I've heard that I've heard that commentary before too, honestly. Yeah, and I do think they sort of like try and pay homage to that in this movie because the way it ends. I think the move this movie misunderstands the graduate. I'm not sure it misunderstands it. It just flips it, I think, to where they actually are gonna be happy at the end yeah, or whatever. It makes it yeah. a happy end. Yeah, because I do think I think I think if you go through a big situation like that. Like you go to an airport to like stop someone from flying away. Big movie moments. They happen in life sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you just like run into people at the airport, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens at airports. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes weird shit happens in airports, man. You better be glad this was in a fucking airport. <laughs> it's an airport. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone out there is listening and is so mad right now. Matthew. I don't think so. I don't think they listen. But I mean, there is a moment of afterwards of like, okay, I did that. And then and, the, and like I think the graduate really is the first one to like really do that shot. But sometimes you do have that contemplation. Then you're like, yeah. no, I'm super happy about this. Yeah. Like when you buy a house and you like sit in the empty living room the first time and you're like, what the fuck did I just do? And then like you're like, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do this. I can do this. Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we meet that stepmom and she's just mutilating some sushi. Like I don't know what she's doing. She. It looks like she's spreading peanut butter on it. We could not figure this out. What it was supposed to be. Does he say it's like pistachio dip? Pistachio spread. Yeah, something. But pistachio spread wouldn't be that color. It would be kind of more green. I thought pistachios were green. That's what big pistachio wants you to think. Are they even green? That's actually Um. green food dye number P for pistachio. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I... I also, I was like, is this homemade sushi? Because that 
maybe that's it. It's not though. It's clear unless they have like a homemade professional sushi kit because it's like seaweed wrapped. It's not like yeah. Well, I mean, like you can buy yeah, nori. Sure, like you, you can. can make make sushi at home if you have the right stuff. And so I was like, this is early for sushi in America in general. But like, it's way early to be making it at home. But they do seem like the kind of bougie people that might. And so maybe that's why. Yeah, if I was a twenty three year old widowed stepmother who's taking care of a child I'm not really related to, I would probably get super into weird hobbies like making sushi. Yeah, well, and and my thought was like, maybe this is a case of like, we've got sushi at home and this is how they're doing. They're like, we put peanut butter on it. It's, it's peanut butter and jelly sushi. You wouldn't get it. You've never been to Japan. Don't even worry about it, guys. <laughs> but this is where we see the dynamic between Skip, the daughter, and the stepmom. But then this is where Nicolas Cage and his friends show up to the party and Nicolas Cage is kind of like, I'm not, I'm not having this. Like, this sounds terrible. And in the midst of this, Tommy, is dancing with another girl. Now, this is a moment in the movie that is pretty racist yeah. because the main girl, supposed to be the hero of the movie, is just like, look at who Tommy's with juvenile so juvenile no, that's that's her friend that's her friend her friend says juvenile but it's our main girl is like ew juvenile like both of them are saying very inappropriate things yeah yes I think it can be interpreted of like i don't care he's dancing with somebody else the next day after we break up it's just juvenile but also it definitely the optics appear very racist yes because that girl is the only person of color yeah. at that party <laughs> like yes. aggressively so and so like yeah but then on top of that some like that girl goes to the bathroom and he like abandons her and this is when he starts talking to the other girl eg daily in the best jumpsuit on earth oh, i love that yeah no he, he yeah he corner he brings her into a bedroom yeah he's like step into my office now while that's happening julie our main girl has spotted Nicolas Cage and he like ditches his friend. He's like, yeah, you go talk to that other girl. And he goes to talk to Julie. He's like, I saw you on the beach earlier. And they have just this kind of conversation where it seems like they're both interested in each other, but they don't know much about each other yet. But they're like, I want to find out more. Yeah, right. There's an initial yeah. spark for sure. Yeah. Like totally. But it's, it's, <laughs> but it's like for sure, just like a ripoff of Romeo and Juliet. Like totally. Yeah. It's you hear the West Side Story music in the background. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to that bedroom that Tommy pulled Tommy Pickles into <laughs> and it has yeah. a bitch and Devo poster. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, you mean the uncool music in this movie page? No, I think Devo's considered. Well, I, I it depends on who you're who is saying it's uncool. I think the Valley kids are super into Devo. And then I think. Nicholas Cage and his friends are more into like more punk kind of stuff, yes. but like it's still aggressively basically Devo. <laughs> like it all sounded the same to me. It all sounds like Devo. <laughs> it all comes back to Devo. Yeah, it does. Yeah, whip it, whip it good. Uh, so he starts romancing that fantastic jumpsuit off of E.G. Daily. She is like gorgeous, sort of like. Fighting him? Oh, sure. Yes, Mikey. She is sort of fighting him. No, I, she's not super fight. She's like, we shouldn't do this. You just broke up with Julie. I thought you loved her. And he's like, yeah. I love your body in this jumpsuit. I mean, who couldn't? It looks amazing. But she does kind of push back on him a little bit where he's like unzipping the jumpsuit at first. And she's like, hey, no, maybe not. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's definitely pressuring it. Mm -hmm. And he's definitely applying some pressure. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And then to do what he does after he's done that, like it's clear that she did this hesitantly at least. And then at the end of this in interaction, he's like, you're a terrible friend for letting me do this more or Ugh, less. I hate it so much. He's a jerk. She's kind of a jerk. She weirds him out. He's a dumb dick every time he's on the screen. I hate him. Well, it's such a teenage scene because like he gets her boobies out and sucks on them. And then while he's doing it, she like looks down and is like, so are we going to be boyfriend, girlfriend now? And then like he's like, you're a terrible person for letting me do this. I have to leave. Of course, Mikey has a problem the second she wants to define the relationship page. Uh. Well, and, and here's <laughs> Thing. First of all, she's a teenager. So I I can understand the confusion around that scenario in her mind. Absolutely. Yes, she's fully being taken advantage of. Yes. I would expect most teenage girls to have some version of that question. Yes. And for him to be like, not only is that not what's happening, but also I can't believe you even do did this. You're disgusting. Yeah, you're a terrible friend. It's so terrible. Taking him out of the equation completely. He was there too. It is equally as questionable for him to be participating as her. Oh, yes. Oh. I am no Tommy apologist. I think Tommy is basically the Greek god of toxic masculinity. And, and so like. <laughs> yes. He is awful. I'm just like. Yeah. It's a wild. It's like four sentences and you're like, what just happened? His Greek statue is called the stinker, though, not the thinker. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he just abandons her. He like leaves her in that room to probably cry alone. Like, it's not good. In high school, if that was me with her, I'd be like, yes, we are boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> Thank you. For for letting me suck on your boobies. Yeah, thank you for letting me see experience this. And yes, you're my first girlfriend. <laughs> I know there's four other guys here, and this is a very uncouth screening of the of the Blair Witch Project. But I felt a booby in this movie theater tonight. <laughs> Who are you? A congressman? <laughs> no, you're a congressman's Mister. Is it Mister if you're a mistress, but you're a male? I don't know. We need a good mistress term for men. I just stay married to the one hot guy, and, and that's what I do. So I don't really have a need for these words. Guys, I am in Paige's house. He's dreamier in person. Manstress. <laughs> it's manstress. Manstress? Manstress? Man Is it? Mikey looked it up. Is it really manstress? It's one of them. You could do it. Hell yeah. I like it. I'm going to start using it. It's on Wikipedia. Jake did trim his beard to, to look nice. Shave where you want them to lick. Uh, oh, it's Paige. full of banana bread. <laughs> it is. And Jake made it. And it's so good, guys. Because it's made with brotherly love. <laughs> it, it, he did use my recipe, but yes. He did. I was going to eat some yesterday. He was like, leave some banana bread because they might want some when they get here. Oh, that's so kind. He's such a good guy. God damn it. He's the only <laughs> good one among us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He made you banana bread. I forced you to watch Jackass forever. Okay. I got a little bit more into it than I thought I was going to. Let's be honest. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. so much fucking fun. Todd has never seen any Jackass films or shows. This is my first time. And you I, have a, I will quite a large back catalog you could go through if you get like. You know. I probably I probably won't. But it like is a good thing. It was fun to watch with you guys. It's not something I would watch by myself. Yeah, it's not really an alone activity. No. It's definitely a. You watch it with friends. Oh. <laughs> Mikey's on the record as saying he legally has friends, which 
of course makes it sound like he doesn't. Yeah, I bought the Blu-rays. <laughs> Is Banana Bread a friend? It can be, Paige. It can be. Anyway, so he is a total dick to her after she let him see her boobs. Right? What an ass. Just say you're her boyfriend, bro. Yeah. You're in high school. Right? Just say you're her boob friend at least. Just text her tomorrow and be like, hey, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. No. But it's 83. <laughs> what would that be? A fucking fax? <laughs> like you fact, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. And then just a picture of a quesadilla. I'm eating this without you. Let me set the record straight. It's not ghosting because like back in the 80s you'd have to like run into that person again to like get the lowdown that's true phones existed though they could have called them on the phone but you don't even know you missed the call i mean like i did call no one answered <laughs> hello operator i'd like to talk to the mistress that i saw her voluptuousness last night it, this movie's in 83 not 38 like what are we talking about 1883 <laughs> <laughs> Send the raven. I sent a messenger every day. For a year. <laughs> <laughs> we sent 500 ravens. I telegrammed you every day for a year. Stop. Thank you for letting me see your boobies. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Our relationship, unfortunately, has to stop. stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else get telegram humor? Like, that's such an old joke. <laughs> Who is that for? I mean, hey, it was really unkind of him to dash right after she showed her dots. <laughs> Dashing dots. The ice cream date of the future. <laughs> Do you want to show a Mikey? your boobies but don't want him to stay around come on down to dash and dots that's how my last relationship ended she's like do you want to like open up our sex life and be more adventurous why don't we like incorporate food and i was like let's get dipping dots <laughs> mikey i have a i have a million dollar business idea right now and i want okay. you to hear me out do you guys want to hear about my business idea okay here it is so it's a food truck that shows up to your house after your one night stand leaves and it just makes quesadillas like just tra like drunk food like Mexican food, pizza, like the kind of things you want to eat when you're drunk. And it's called Quesodias. Oh, my. <laughs> what do you guys think about this? It's a food truck and an Uber that takes people you don't want to stay at your house home. And caters. I love it. A concierge overnight service. It brings me food oh. and takes them home. <laughs> they have to pay for their food on the way home if they want it. How did I not immediately assume that Mikey wanted it to be the worst version it could be? <laughs> <laughs> there was briefly a show that was basically a walk of shame uber that would pick you up for your walk of shame and if you told the story I've seen carpool karaoke yeah <laughs> you didn't have to pay what were we talking about oh valley girl oh fucking valley girl so anyway so anyway he goes back downstairs and sees julie dancing with nick cage yeah and he's just like what the fuck and he and nick cage get in a fight so he throws nick cage out of the party and nick cage and his friend drive all the way up to mulholland and then they're just like Nick Cage stops the car and he gets out and he's like, you know what? No, I like her. I know that she likes me. I'm going back to the fucking party. And you're just like, okay, all right. I'm sure, I guess. And then his friend's like, uh, we better not tell my mom you were driving. He's like, I don't give a shit about what your mom thinks. And then just like turns the car around and drives back to the party and then breaks into the house via the bathroom window. But instead of walking out of the bathroom, he just hangs out in the shower. He waits for Julia. And listens to people pee until she gets there. Yeah. 
Same old story. But before he listens to a bunch of people pee, when he gets thrown out of the party, that's when he, like, we forgot to talk about it. He stands on the lawn and he's like, oh, she is yeah. truly dazzling. Oh and God, as yeah. he says that, she just, like, closes the blinds like a serial killer. It was a crazy shot that, like, was beautiful. She stares at him multiple times in this movie. The way we're about to stare at the Murdoch murder. <laughs> yeah. she, she stares at you like a, a fortune teller who has cursed you the white man from town. That's a thinner reference. I don't know if that's going to work well on this podcast. Too late. It already happened. It worked great on the other one. Did I make that reference? No, but you should... You know what? Never mind. <laughs> anyway, they come back. He climbs through the bathroom window. He listens to a bunch of people pee because that's his kink and <laughs> waits for her to come into the bathroom. Now, as he's doing that, we see all the people that come into the bathroom, including an entire group of underage, like teenagers, high school students doing rail after rail of cocaine off the sink. I think what we see in that scene is a break on the set because it is just like, quote, high schoolers, but everyone's 25 and up and of course they were doing coke on the movie set like it was 1983 right yeah but eventually julia comes in and he's just like hey i like you you like me do you want to go somewhere like do you want to leave with me and leave this party and she's like where and he's like anywhere, anywhere. what are we gonna do whatever we want and she's like uh okay and he's like meet me out front so she does we're gonna go on a montage yeah a montage <laughs> gonna need a montage to show the passage of time so or just la like la landmarks that are on sunset like <laughs> <laughs> Many of which are still there. That was kind of fun. Uh, but so she brings her friend along who I think gets l lightly uh, harassed by his friend. She does get sexually assaulted. She ends up hooking up with hot Brad later, right? No, different friend. Okay. So th this friend ends up with no one. Uh, but I like to think maybe she was into the, fr the friend here, but was not prepared to make the jump Julia does and say that she was. Yeah. Because later they have like a moment where like he spots her sitting alone, but then we never finish it up. We never see it again in the movie. So like it, but it implies that like maybe there was something there, but we don't know. All we see is him like continually making moves on her and her being like, ha, 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 stop it, which could be a real stop. It might be her being like, please stop. Don't touch me anymore. I mean, I would take any way someone said stop as a real stop. Yeah. yeah. As you should. As you should. Unless you've established a safe word and established your method of play. Consensual non-consent is a thing, but there are like defined rules sure. and safe words for that kind of shit. Yeah. But then you have to be ready to say like purple or something. Yeah, let's say you try to watch a movie with a co-host and they keep scooting closer to you and you say don't do that, yet they continue to scoot closer to you. I'm sorry for scooting closer to the banana bread. <laughs> it's not you. Yeah, Paige, how dare you? It's definitely you that he's calling out right now. I'm the banana bread in this metaphor. <laughs> and daddy's hungry. I had my own <laughs> chaise. I was fine. I don't think I sat too close. I didn't lean into you once, Mikey. I could tell how your voice skipped up seven octaves that maybe you're lying. First off, octaves. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not a band dork. <laughs> I, I liked octaves. I like the way you said it, Salieri. But um, <laughs> don't high road me with a course I didn't pay attention to in college. I did think it was funny that Todd was like, "I didn't sit too close to you when you were clearly caressing his breast while he gave you a hand job." <laughs> no, 
to completion. No. Sorry, that's what I say at the end of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So like a cummerbund is like a chastity belt for dudes. <laughs> no, but if you get cum on it. No, it's too easy. Why do you think they call it a cummerbund? They don't say that. They don't say that at all. It's a Parmesan cheese grater protection program for your soup at the Italian restaurant. I think you said like four words that I'd heard before, but never in that order. And it took a while for my brain to break down what you said. And then at the end, it just said gibberish. None of that, like, I, it just bounced off of me. <laughs> so like, if you're a waiter at an Italian restaurant, you grate a lot of cheese on the plates, right? And you also grind pepper. Sure. And so you're wearing a nice white shirt and... You need to guard it from spilling on it, Cumberbund. But just your stomach. But don't waiters well, normally wear aprons? Some, some of our wait, some of us stomachs stick out further, like me. I'm Cumberbund Mikey. Come on down to Cumberbund Mikey's. Ugh, no, I don't like the sound of it. Let's get back into this movie. There's a murder doc calling our names. I know. Anyway, <laughs> so they go out to the car. And I do like that his friend, Nicolas Cage's friend, says to Julie's friend, she, he just says, hey, I'm whoever. I like tacos and my favorite color is magenta. And then they get in the car. And I was like, what? I mean, what else do you need to know about a dude, Paige? That's not his favorite. He's not even wearing any, any magenta. He's not. But I think his hair might supposed to be magenta because oh. he's the guy who has the color in his hair. Yeah. And also they do they do drive past Rocky Horror Picture Show in this montage and magenta is a character in that. So like I thought maybe it might have been a nod to that. That is true. A reference to magenta. Yeah. Who is, I think, the worst character in that movie, but whatever. I do love her costumes and she sings a lot of the songs and even though her character's not singing them, she it is her voice, which is kind of interesting. Oh. Anyway, so they proceed to go on like a driving tour of Los Angeles uh, where we see like a lot of Hollywood Boulevard, a lot of Sunset, a lot of Mid-City, just kind of all over. And it's cool for some things like finding out that uh, it was when Empire Strikes Back was playing. That was kind of fun. Yeah, because we passed that in the theater. Yeah, an officer and a gentleman as well. Now, they do end up at a club, which in watching it, I identified as I think that's the club that eventually became the Viper Room. I'll burn a fun fact right now. Uh, the club scenes are filmed in a Sunset Strip Club originally named Filthy McNasties what? in the 1960s and 70s. In the 80s, it was called The Central, but it was later purchased by Johnny Depp and is now known as the Viper Room, where River Phoenix infamously died on wow. Halloween in 1993. Oof, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. There is a really interesting Viper Room documentary, though. Oh, interesting. Highly recommend. I mean, a lot of famous people have come through there, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's also, it, it has, even after River's unfortunate passing, a lot of things start at the club. Like, yeah. it's one of the first places where the Pussycat Dolls ever appeared. And, yeah, there's it's a got a weirdly fascinating history as just a venue. And the documentary covers a lot of it. Highly recommend. So... Uh, they do end up in what will eventually become the Viper Room. But here it's basically kind of like a, a punk club is kind of what they're doing. Even though they're not really playing punk music, that's what it's supposed to be, I think. Yeah. Because that's the the vibe of everyone there, even though that is not the music playing. Which is crazy, because like this time, like Guns N' Roses is starting to play around mm -hmm. L.A. at this time. And like there's like 
really good music in the scene locally there that is not yet quite national, but soon will be. Mm-hmm. So like they could have tapped into that some, but they just didn't. Well, and I, I, they probably didn't have the budget to shoot with yeah. an actual band. It's probably just like, here are three people that we could put far enough away so you don't recognize <laughs> them. We wasted all of our money on hiring Joni Cotton or Josie Cotton for the prom. But she's great, though. So great. Yeah. But her friend, Julie's friend, is kind of pretty rude through this scene where she's just like, where'd you even take us? This is fucking gross. Yeah. But then they get into this like weird conversation of like, who are you normal or are, am I normal? We're just fucking programmed by the system to be what we want to be. Teenagers are the worst because they're both the same. Yeah, because they basically are. Each of them is very devoted to the thing that they grew up around yeah. and convinced the other is wrong yes in this film they're even both middle class it's not even like other 80s film where there's like no she's a rich girl yeah but they're not supposed to be a different class they're supposed to be a montague and a capulet a capricorn yeah or pyramus and thisby yeah dracula and the wolfman yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, and so they're just different cliques basically is what i would call it different high schools but yes yeah I, absolutely they're different high school yeah yeah, yeah. this is the proto form of every other 80s movie that ever existed yeah but they they just keep talking. They like talking. They end up making out in the car. They stay out all night. And then he brings her back to his, her parents' house the next morning. And they're just like, cool. Anyway, we're going to work. Her parents <laughs> are the coolest parents I've ever seen ever. Yeah, they try to have the birds and the bees talk. And she's like, don't be so lame. And I'm like, that's literally the nicest thing your parents could do right now. Yes. Well, and hey, first of all, they should have had this talk before now. But secondly, the fact that, in, that, that they are going to be like, hey, we realize that you are a teenager and you might be having these urges. Mm-hmm. Take some condoms, please. Like, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do in the house. <laughs> like, they're very much the mom from Mean Girls. They're like, Ju- Julie, I noticed that you're no longer just awkwardly staring at boys, but actually talking to them. And we never thought you'd have sex with Tommy, but this other guy looks like someone you might. So we need to have a talk. <laughs> Tommy had a weird bowl haircut as a teenager. But Nicolas Cage has this cool kind of flock of seagulls things going on. Uh-huh. So like... Here's some condoms. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage has the weirdest chest hair we've ever seen, so please take these condoms. <laughs> but we've seen it enough that we assume you have to. So here's some condoms. And then on the flip side of that, Tommy just got his Boy Scout badge for bullying. <laughs> Uh, I pushed five people into lockers for this match. I honestly think we hear a song about Tommy at the prom. So they were never worried about Tommy. Is all I'm saying. You you think that Tommy is closeted, perhaps? Uh, yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. He 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 got the hotel room. I think Tommy is very aggressive when he wants to be, as in the party. I think Tommy is entitled. Yes. I, I think Tommy thinks that he deserves girls. I feel like that's like one of the core tenets of toxic masculinity is entitlement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the other core tenets? Misogyny is definitely one of them. But also that one by Christopher Nolan. (laughs) (laughs) That bullet's going to come back from time to hit them. Wait, what? I didn't see that movie. (laughs) That movie is madness. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't even know what movie that is. Tenet. Oh, I watched that movie and I feel like I have not watched that movie. I do think Nolan peaked in 2008 or whenever The Dark Knight came out. Like, uh, we, He's going back to Oppenheimer. We got to get out of here. We got to go. Go run, <laughs> yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. run. I can't. 
I can't. Yeah, I can't. Abandon ship. <laughs> I am become death destroyer of takes. Let's go. If you've listened to either podcast this last two months, Todd does not like Oppenheimer. And we just need it. You know, we're going to do a social share about it. And, and we're all split on it because Mikey did like it. Todd didn't like it. I haven't seen it because I'm not attracted to Cillian Murphy. And I know the story already. <laughs> Killian Murphy? I don't Killian. know. Killian. Jimmy. It's not that I didn't like Oppenheimer. It's that it was aggressively meh whatever fine okay cool if that's the best you can do we'll take it but like it's not a great movie no. we can't get into this right now this is this is your star wars <laughs> this is your star wars todd i liked oppenheimer back when uh it was just called the news you know what i'm saying <laughs> todd's an oppenheimer hipster an oppen hipster oh no <laughs> i think we should go back to the bit where i'm like 180 years old <laughs> i'm like i liked it better when oppenheimer was like a friend of mine and like it was i, I didn't like the way they butchered his story That's, i was that was my next step i was like <laughs> and we were secret communists together and maybe even gay do you not like it because the <laughs> axis powers won or what <laughs> Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's We're going to table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh, my God, guys. This actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal. All remains of the pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh-made meals. Never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. In fact, it comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor Meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now, because <laughs> Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the app. That was the I end know. of the app. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. <laughs> <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, she her parents are nicer than most 
parents would ever be and maybe maybe even a little too permissive we hadn't even discovered half the stds we have today back then it's like the final frontier out there for them they're just like go out there do your thing don't get pregnant they are at this time inventing aids it's not even out yet like i don't know wait it might be actually when was the release date i don't know ask ronald reagan Sorry. <laughs> it's one thing it's one thing for them to be sex positive the fact that they were not worried that their teenage daughter never came home is bonkers to me <laughs> they don't know where she is there are no cell phones by that morning they should be waiting to go to the police station so that they can make a missing persons report like yeah. what are they doing Ooh. Paige is a helicopter parent. I get it. I'm not a helicopter parent. I just want to know that you're not dead in a ditch. Is it too much to ask? She's not a helicopter parent, Mikey. She's just seen the first 48 and knows what's at stake. That is exactly. That is exact. Like, here, take a condom, but you better tell me where the fuck you are and who the fuck you're with. Like, just come on. Just air tag the condom, Paige. Come on. <laughs> it looks like it's here, and now it's there, and now it's here, there, there. Sorry. It looks like it's traveled in this one boy's wallet for four years. Uh, that's actually super accurate <laughs> to my lived experience. Replace those. From them sitting in the wallet, they can have small tears and they can be less effective. Regularly replace your wallet condoms. PSA from me. Paige, you're talking to someone in a committed relationship and another person who refuses to wear condoms. It's the responsibility of the woman. Oh, wow. <laughs> you should always bag your trash. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah, Mikey, bag your trash. Okay, so I will say this, just to like close the loop on the AIDS conversation. Uh -huh. In 1983, 2,304 people had already died of AIDS. So yeah, it was like a thing at this time, yeah. The first case was um, in the U.S. was probably around June 1981. Or at least first documented case. I believe, personally, that many people had died of it previously and we just didn't know what it was. Yes, it, it absolutely was just the documented case. I, yeah, I don't know before then. Anyway... We cut to the next day at school where she's like in driver's ed with her friends. This is my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> I love this scene so much, but it's not because of any principal character in this movie. It is because of one of my favorite character actors from this time, Richard Sanders, who plays the guy in the car with them. Mm -hmm. And Mikey, I see you laughing that I know this guy's name. I know this guy's name because he was in a show called WKRP in Cincinnati, oh, of yeah. which I've only seen one episode because it's a tradition, and I could say that now because it's been more than three years, that every Thanksgiving I watch that one episode of WKRP in Cincinnati with Natalie's family at Thanksgiving, and it is like so much fun. All right. It's a wildly specific tradition, but I love it. But he's in that show, and he is hilarious in that show. This scene has the the type of humor that I love about 80s movies, like License to Drive and Better Off Dead and stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Because essentially, she's driving badly because she's talking to her friends about Randy and about everything that happened, and he keeps telling her, like, please keep your eyes on the road. Please keep <laughs> your hands on the wheel. Please make please look ahead. And she's just not. She is going to kill all of them. She's aggressive turning around to talk to her friends who are in the back seat yeah and he just bails out of the passenger yes. seat of the car so funny. <laughs> oh it's great it's great and this is also where we get the phrase tripendicular tripendicular i loved it i was like oh this is the best yeah anyway we cut to that stepmom's house and she's getting groceries delivered and it's skipped from the party you know what that means 
Yeah. yeah. He brought bananas. And so. <laughs> I've been bringing groceries, baby. Ah, baby. Gonna give you my banana. It's so long. <laughs> and if you feel cucumbers feeling, baby. <laughs> come on. Ow. Come on. I'ma bang your stepmom. <laughs> ah, baby. Anyway, so. She makes it very clear. She's just like, hi, uh, you're clearly here. She likes to be direct, Paige. That's what she says. I'm going to be direct and give you a tip. Plastics, which again is a reference to The Graduate <laughs> that I then had to pause the film and explain to Todd. Yeah, I thought it was a reference to It's a Wonderful Life. So I, yeah, I'm glad you paused it and told me because I had no idea. Yeah, anytime anybody has sex with a stepmother, I think it's an homage to It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I knew that part was The Graduate. I thought she may have been making an It's a Wonderful Life reference because honestly, marrying rich young and having that person die is sort of a wonderful life to live. I mean, it didn't work out great for Anna Nicole Smith, but for a lot of other people, I think it, it maybe would. Yeah. But anyway, plastics. So she's like, hey, uh, it's almost time for my daughter to be home. So like, don't be a stranger. Like, you know what I mean? Like this pussy hot for you. Hey, I'm going to break some laws. She is being very forward. And he is like, I have other deliveries to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The milk is going sour. <laughs> and she's like, I know you better get this milk before it does. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's a very dedicated delivery driver. Yeah. You better carry these jugs all the way up the stairs. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to hear he'd been dropping loads all over that neighborhood that day. He's not a laundry delivery guy. It's just oh groceries. My God. Dropping loads of groceries, Paige. You're gross. That just reminded me of another 80s film with Patrick Dempsey where he starts a... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, it's extra anchovies, yes. Mikey. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I do not know the name of that movie. Oh my God, we're going to do that movie. Not next week. It's my pick next week. He accidentally starts a gigolo business and it's a pizza delivery thing and then falls for one of the girls. That, I'm keeping this in my brain we're doing it all right anyway he does say to her he's like i did deliberately choose to deliver your groceries now thinking back on this now sorry my mouth made a weird fart sound your mouth sure by the way mikey that movie is called lover boy and it came out in 1989 oh, randy is still unfocused after two years in college when his dad refuses to keep paying his tuition he gets a job delivering pizzas. I feel like I've seen this. Several alluring cougars pay him $200 for pizza delivery and his service is rendered with a very big wink there. I feel like I've seen this movie maybe. So he sells himself. I would have never graduated college. I love it. We got to do that movie, Mikey. Entrepreneur. <laughs> anyway, looking back on this scene now, when he says, I deliberately chose to deliver your groceries, I wonder if he was talking about the daughter. Was like, I came to see your daughter. Shit. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, He's like, I am trying to hook up with your daughter. And she misinterprets or something. Yeah. He he honestly kind of answers like a kid who like has no idea how to interpret this whole situation. Yeah. As opposed to the graduate where he's like, are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Yeah. He's like, I picked your house to deliver groceries. Yeah. Isn't he in college in the graduate? Yeah. He's graduated college. He's, he's yeah, in his early so. 20s in the graduate. So, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of learning you do in between like 17, 18 where this kid probably is and where, you know, you would be graduating college. 
So if I didn't want to bum all of us out and we didn't have a murder documentary, I would be like, we're watching The Graduate right fucking now. <laughs> like film school 101. Let's do it. I think we should save it for this. Yeah, save it for the pod. Plus, I've seen Roger Rabbit, so you can't get better film than that. <laughs> anyway, so he leaves confused. Uh, we cut to the Foods for Health store where Julie's parents work. And she is this is kind of baffling to me because they have a health restaurant, which, by the way, is still a restaurant. It We drove past it this morning, Mikey, but it is now a, uh, a taiyaki place. The fish shaped pastry that has like frozen yogurt in it. But it's called Food for Health and it's like aggressively weird health food. Eat today, live tomorrow. Eat today, live tomorrow. Yeah. I the only reason I recognize it is even though it it's a new restaurant, they used the same font as whatever this used to be. Interesting. So it's still a very like noticeable storefront. Cool. But I think it's really funny that like her parents are health nuts and she's just like this is so gross. How could anyone eat that? Like just serve cheeseburgers, god. And I'm like how did this happen? Because she would have grown up in their home, I assume, eating health food. Yes, of course she did. And she's a teenager. Right. So she's rebelling against that. Sure. But I'm like, when did you get a chance to have that many cheeseburgers? Girl who doesn't have a real job and doesn't have a car. Oh, I'll <laughs> tell you when, Paige, when she started dating the dude from across the mountain, right? Mm. Like that dude from Hollywood High School, that bum that she's dating. I think it's just her friends are like, ooh, that's disgusting. Let's eat this. Ew, sprouts. I definitely think that it's all peer pressure. You're right. That's actually what it is, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Randy, Nicolas Cage, shows up there and is just like, hey. And he does straight up look like a vampire. We've commented on it many times during the film at this point. He also bites her neck a ton. Not yet, but later, yeah. Yeah, like he's super into that jugular. <laughs> this is <laughs> where her dad meets Randy. And Randy's just like... Let's leave. I know you're supposed to work, but fuck that. Come with me. And she's like, okay. So they go out to Depars, and then thus begins another montage. A long. Of just long. a long montage of restaurants. It's just like them dating over like a month or two or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and this is where at one point we do see them making out again and kissing. And Mikey commented that he looks like he's kissing. He's not just kissing her. He's trying to eat her soul and suck it out through Todd her mouth. Was it Todd? It was. Mm -hmm. So I remember there were many comments about it. Looks like he's trying to suck out her essence. He looks like he's eating chicken wings off of her. Off of her off face. Off of her open mouth. Like <laughs> it's like the chicken wing is on her tongue. And he is going to get it. Oh, man, that's hot. And he's just like fashioning his gaping <laughs> maw over her head. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. So this montage goes for the entire three minutes plus of that song. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. much every montage takes the length of a song. Yeah. Whatever song they start, you know you're hearing the end of it. You're hearing the whole thing. <laughs> it gave us time to do stuff. I'm like, okay, we have like a side conversation. I'm going to munch on this banana bread. I'm 100% sure this is where we got up and got banana bread. Because Mikey <laughs> literally said at the start of the movie, hey, I'm just going to let you know, owner of the home who is providing me sanctuary while I'm in L.A., <laughs> that in one hour after starting this movie, I demand banana bread. So I set a timer. I said sweets. She offered banana. M Mikey said a sweet treat. I was like, your <laughs> option is banana bread, since that is the sweet thing we have. And as a gracious visitor, I said, I gladly accept it. Oh, and listen, when I heard banana bread was on the table, I, I jumped at it. I no longer thought it was weird that he set a time for banana bread and just like ate some fucking banana bread an hour into this movie. And it was great. 
Anyway, so the very next scene after this super long montage, we cut to high school where Tommy is just like, hey, where's Julie to all of Julie's friends? And he's like, somebody's been filling her head with air. We need to set her straight. And she dumped me. So maybe she won't listen to me, but she'll listen to you that she should get back with me before it like scars her for life. And I'm just like, what the fuck is he even saying? And also, ladies, don't know if somebody breaks up with a guy and he's trash don't talk to him he's persona non grata yeah but her friends are like terrible not her friends they're <laughs> yeah, like they're not awful. good people yeah um so like of course they're gonna do what the villain in this movie wants them to do yeah but we cut to they're all over at, at one of their houses for like a sleepover i do think it is the the one with the stepmom and there is a younger sister involved that we never saw before and never see again. That's just randomly. But this is also where Skip calls and she's like, oh, my, you know, my mom's not home or whatever. And he's like, oh, OK. And this makes us think that he's only in it for the mom. But I think maybe he did just talk to her. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? No, they invite him over. She invites him over and he says no. Yeah. But that's what because the mom wasn't home. And so I was like, well, maybe he's not into the mom. I don't know. But this is where they're like, well, you can't go to any parties with Randy. And so basically, if you wanted to keep dating Randy, you can't be friends with anybody else like any of our people. Which is just stupid. It's it is very dumb. I mean, it's like it's like Mean Girls. You're not conforming to what our friendship circle conforms to, so we're gonna kick you out of your friend group unless you date who we say you can date. Yeah, that is sort of what they're saying to her. Yeah, and of course, because she is a person of conviction, she immediately does what her friends ask her to. Sure, but we don't see that yet True. because what we cut to immediately next is Skip riding his bike to the house, and at this point, you're like, "Oh shit, is he going to see the stepmom?" And he basically B and E's this house. He just like walks in the door. He doesn't break, but he does. He enter. does enter, I mean, and that person he enters, we find out, is the daughter, not well, the stepmom. He goes upstairs because he hears the shower going, and we see in the shower full blood. <laughs> through well, the yeah. glass I mean, yeah it's the 80s it's the like, 80s it could have been a stunt bush it could have been a stunt bush <laughs> bring in the mucking but <laughs> i think i think that like they're trying to play it like we don't know who he ends up sleeping with right 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 and that's why they're in the shower because of course it's like i don't know you know shower glass you can't really yeah, fully yeah, see yeah, through, yeah except for in your shower which uh love your bathroom page oh thank you yeah love your whole house it's great uh, but because it's that like weird glass, you can't really see through. It's like frosted and like warped a little bit. Um, so you still you still don't know who he's, who he ends up sleeping with until it's revealed in about ten minutes from now. It's the daughter, right? Because what we will cut to instead is she has like a lunch with uh, E.G. Daly, who we know has kind of hooked up with her boyfriend or ex boyfriend Tommy, and is now like, hey, everyone thinks Tommy's cool, but if you get back with him, are things really going to change? Are you going to be happy? Which I think is a valid question like i i hate that she follows up with like anyone but randy though yeah because like i think what she's trying to get at is like tommy's not a great guy and mm -hmm. he is not nice you know and, yeah, and she knows firsthand and she knows firsthand yeah so of course she well i and i also think she is also a teenager and also you know is mm -hmm. like trying to figure shit out right but i do think she actually is Jules' friend or yeah. Juliet's friend. What is or her is real? Or is trying to be Julie, Julie's, Julie's friend. friend. Oh, Randy, Julie, Romeo, Juliet. Yeah, so it's Romeo and Juliet. That's why I said Juliet. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think that she actually is Julie's, Juliet's friend, whatever. And, you know, it's just not coming out 
correctly because she is a teenager too, you know, like yeah, yeah. She's trying to do the right thing, but it doesn't come across all that way. But she's doing her best. I don't know. Yeah, because I think all the other friends are like, but Tommy's the best, and like you would yes. rule the yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. And this is the only this is the only one of her friends that's like Tommy's not the best. And I'm not saying date Randy, but like Tommy's not the best. Yeah, exactly. You know. But we cut back to the shower, and there's like a clothing trail, and someone's clearly having sex in bed, and it turns out it is the daughter, yeah. uh, not the mom, yeah. and the mom walks in on them and then we cut away from it we never see the mom again we don't know what happened that storyline is now resolved but we do know they show up at prom later (laughs) so like whatever wouldn't it be weird if he showed up to prom with the stepmom and not the daughter though like i because it was a stepmother i was and pornhub has trained my brain joke wise i was like is she gonna join in it does cut away so we don't ever answer that really Yikes. But no one in that scenario is related. That's what I'm saying. No one's related <laughs> and they appear to be closer in age mm. than you would think. I think that's still illegal, probably, which is not great. Uh, sure and also, illegal. sleeping with your step parents is, no matter how much Pornhub tries to normalize it, no. Gross. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Anyway. <laughs> Mikey was so. So quiet during those jokes, Paige. What? I don't know. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey, have you slept with a step parent? No. You heard how loud his silence was. Well, you guys were both very enthusiastically talking about sleeping with step parents, and so I was just kind of only if they have tentacles. Not getting involved with that. <laughs> yeah, only with not. Oh God. You bring up tentacles like she you did. directed from Dusk Till Dawn. It's my favorite <laughs> joke. And instead of Selma Hayek coming out to put her feet in your mouth, it was the dude from like Dead Man's Chest, and he like rolled out his like tentacle into your mouth. No, thank you, Todd. I'm in the guest room over here, and like under the bed, there's Cthulhu porn. So <laughs> why would I keep it under your bed? I sleep in a different room. There's tentacle porn under each piece of furniture in this house. And if you find it, you win a fish tank and you win a fish tank and you win a plate of calamari. I mean, I could go for some calamari. I don't like calamari. Well, we got to get through this so we can get to the Murdaugh murders. Okay, yes. And they're tentacles of crime that permeated the community. (laughs) Anyway, we cut to her talking to her dad where she's just like, I have a problem and I don't really know what to do, but like Randy wears different clothes and he's different than us. And her dad is basically like, hey, I was different from people too, but your mom and I love each other and we've been together this whole time. Essentially being like, randy yeah like, this is not difficult and he's like well do you like tommy and she's like i don't know and he's like well do you like randy she's like i love randy and he's like okay i think you made your decision then and she's like right yeah let's let's date tommy, tommy. for the next two months <laughs> and he's like swinging a miss but who gives a shit <laughs> he's like my daughter is an idiot but i love her i got my own problems like yeah, whatever yeah. yeah this is also this is the first time we see her climb into her bed with the creepiest clown doll oh yeah what did i I think I said when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit, I think I've seen Terrifier now. Yeah, that (laughs) shit like looked super scary. Oh, God. And then like she has like a lunch with her friends the next day where she's like, what do I do? Like, you know, Randy is really special to me. And they're like, yeah, Betty's just like balls deep in it. Just fucking gnarly sex. And she's like, it hasn't gone that far. Yeah, they haven't had sex yet. And they're like, 
Oh. We have an emotional connection. Yeah. Being popular can be lonely, but I bet if you're nice, Tommy will take you back. Like, I bet if you fucking grovel and get on your knees and be like, please, oh my God, I am a worthless slug, he'll take you back. Like, totally. I'm pretty sure. I don't know about if all three of those are required, but the second one definitely helps. Yeah. Anyway, she's going to go to prom with Tommy, which is real stupid. But Nicolas Cage shows up to pick her up and she's just like, go on, leave. Can't you see I don't want you here? Go. Just go into the forest. Get. Well, this get. is before prom. He just he just shows up because I, I think maybe she is like not returning his calls at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just shows up at her house and then she does like you know like old yeller out old yeller or whatever yeah <laughs> get, get out of here harry and the hendersons you know go on and this is where he like he like starts walking away and, and she more or less says i'm breaking up with you because my friends don't like you and like yeah. i'm a very weak person who can't stand up for myself but so he like as he's walking away is like you know what fuck you fuck this totally this is like bullshit fuck this i'm out for sure like totally yeah like making fun <laughs> of her vernacular you know yeah if this was modern day it would be fuck you like that's how it would no be. cap fuck you i'm out this is very mid this yeah. is very oh, mid. This is aggressively mid. I'm based. You're mid. Fuck you. No cap. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it would be. That's what it would be. That's what you sound like. Sorry. <laughs> every every generation sounds weird in their own way. I know. And that's what I loved about this movie because it is like slang from before us. Yeah. And I still had no fucking idea what was being said half the time. It made me want to slap everyone who criticized Diablo Cody's uh, screenwriting for its use of slang because I'm like, it was happening before Diablo. Other people have done it since and at the same time. And it was an unfair criticism. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry she writes real characters, guys. I know, right? J-Bod, finally getting the credit it's due. I, I got asked to do, because it's October, so I get asked to do other horror podcasts and stuff for, as like a guest. How dare you betray us? Do it, Paige. And every single person that's asked me, I'm like, can I do Jennifer's Body? Because I wasn't on it for Horror Virgin. And I love that movie. We should revisit. Ah, I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. It's one of my favorites. Uh, and every single time I've been like, oh, Jennifer's body. They're like, somebody already picked it. Like every time. <laughs> but was that somebody page the network Wesley? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably one of my friends, though. <laughs> Paige, I'm just going to warn you that um, I was yelling network a lot last night during your uh, roast battle set. So, oh, I did not hear. I, I tune out everything. It's kind of like uh, in talk to me when she disassociates. <laughs> oh, you sort of have to, yeah. Yeah. Because half the set, there's a topless, not skinny man jumping up and down around yeah. you. And you just have to focus on how am I going to make Mikey look not lovable, which is almost an impossible task. I know. But also, Joshua Meyerowitz is essential to Roast Battle. He has been there for many, oh. many years. He is a cornerstone of the show. And he's awesome. Like, his energy is insane, and I love it. And then after the show, he was just like, hey, man, thanks. You guys were great. Like, he, he was, like, so over-the-top energetic for He's the show. The which, you, which you totally need in that kind of setting. Yep. But, like, after the show, he was able to, like, just come down and, like, talk to you one-on-one. Like, on one great be, like, job, super, guys. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I was so blown away by his, like, dynamic range of personality. I was like, you're the man. I love this. Here's what's wild. You guys did Roast Battle in this iteration. Previously, Roast Battle not only had had josh as like a hype man uh 
but also had a house hater who played the heel and would also chime in, but then also had like a guerrilla sketch team called The Wave that when a joke went well, would run up on stage, do a mini sketch to like celebrate your joke going well, kind of like getting a strike at a bowling alley and then run back off stage. So you would have to like jump out. You'd have to like land a joke, have it be great and then jump out of the way, watch a sketch from behind and then restart the battle. <laughs> Paige, I've seen videos of this online and it yes. was just like watching all the game shows I watched <laughs> while I was in Japan. Yes. I was like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I love every I love bit of every this. second of yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, Nicholas Cage, fuck you. It's you and your fucking friends. So he like goes and somehow buys alcohol in a brown bag despite being underage. I, I have to assume fake ID. Never happened back then. Never. Never happens now. Never happened anytime. And this was the first documented case of underage drinking in America. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This might be before they changed the drinking age to 21. Mm, I don't know. I don't remember. But he does get into bars seemingly with no issue. So like maybe. Um, he's from Hollywood High. No one cares about those kids. Aww. I mean, I'm joking because they're not like a poor high school or anything like. Well, they are. I mean, they're a public high school, but some famous people's kids go there. So you never know. I will say while you guys were talking about that stuff, I, uh, <laughs> the drinking age in America did not go to 21 until 1985. Oh, there oh, you go. No shit. Okay. So he could legally drink for the next two years, couldn't drink again for two years and then could drink. Well, mm. I, I, for a year. So he, he oh, like yeah, yeah. in 83. Year, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he goes to then a bar and it's the same club as before, I guess. It is. Uh, but we just described her as hot snake girl with leather gloves. Who we've never seen before. And never see again. But it is revealed through like make out dialogue that she is his ex. She's his Tommy, more or less. Right, right, right. right. So like she's his ex that he broke up with recently and is now like trying to get him back. Yeah. She looks like uh, Cruella DeVille from that remake they just did. You know, where Emma Stone was, yeah, yeah. because like her because eye of the makeup gloves. was amazing. And the mm -hmm. gloves, you're And right. the gloves, yeah. But she basically, they make out, he goes straight for her neck. Yes. Vampire move. But then they kind of sequester themselves in the bathroom, and it's heavily implied, we don't see all of it, but it's heavily implied that they fuck in that bathroom. With the way he stumbles out of this club, like... She sucked his she essence out. She definitely drained him of some life force, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to 50! <laughs> like, yeah. And I do... I think we should revisit the question Mikey brought up while we were watching it. And is it, sure. does she take her gloves off to sex? And I think that is a question I need to know the answer to. No, I don't think she did. I have a better question. I doubt it. <laughs> is there a clothing item that you would ask someone to leave on during sex? Yeah, the costume I asked them to wear. Paige, <laughs> first off, Paige, yes, I apologize. This was a better question. Thank you. Secondly, you're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Corsets are awesome. So no one's going to say what it is. They're yeah. just going to no, yeah. agree. Todd actually stole one of my hoodies and won't let Natalie take it off when he has sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I like the way it smells on her, Mikey. Oh, it's not weird. Oh no. It's so weird. That's so <laughs> fucked up. It's aggressively weird. It's aggressively weird. I also want to point out to the listeners that Natalie is right next to me. <laughs> like she watched this movie with us. She is sitting next to me. Okay. Well, you need to tell her the jokes about you, not her. 
Um, Mikey would like you to know that uh, the joke is not about you. It's about her. I think I said that wrong. That's about you, not her. <laughs> the joke's about me, not you. She says, okay. Mikey. She doesn't believe. She's not Wendy, Mikey. <laughs> Calm down, Captain Hook. Let's move on. So Mikey gave uh, us his anyway, clothing I item. Say, like yeah. lingerie. Okay. And, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Todd. Oh, I already said corsets are awesome. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, any of the, any of the sexy stuff, but also uh, non traditional. If she does require an eye patch, I would like it to stay on during sex. Well, because you don't want to get confused as to where to put it. Yeah, I know, I get that. Similarly, that's why I asked Jake to wear bandoliers of chainsaws. Okay, but bandoliers of chainsaws would be incredibly dangerous. <laughs> that's why you have a safe word. My safe word is. <laughs> <laughs> you're my cyclops and i love kissing your cyclops see i'm down for an eye patch at one point jake did hurt his eye and had to wear an eye patch for a while and i had a great snake pliskin week oh i'm sure you were all right with it <laughs> oh no i'm stuck in new york and i have to escape i'm the president's daughter i'm the president's daughter <laughs> What a role play. One of us is the thing. <laughs> like, how are we going to find out? Cut to 10 minutes before this starts. Jake is in the bathroom with a Sharpie trying to draw a snake on his stomach. <laughs> Tell like, him there's a cheat to that. You just outline. You like, Yeah, it, it's a cheat for you, Mikey, because when you <laughs> lay down, you could just trace it. Anywho. <laughs> Let's bang on. So he's super drunk, but he runs into his friend from before. And his friend is like, we just got to go take her back. Like, we got to figure it out. So he's like sleeping on her lawn, like dedicating songs to her on the radio, just like hijacking her vehicles. This is like where if John Cusack holding the boombox over his head and say anything didn't work, if he had to do like nine other romantic type gestures, right. but like getting every one of them wrong. It's basically a, a montage of Inspector Gadget trying to get a girlfriend. <laughs> he even looks sort of like a young Inspector Gadget. He does look like, like a... Yes. That is a very spot-on read. Now I'm mad okay. because the guy I roasted last night looks like fancy Inspector Gadget. He's got the same face shape. Um, yeah. I would have made it work. Adam Driver, gritty Inspector Gadget. Oh my God, take my fucking money. I want to see what all gadgets he has. You know what same. I'm saying? Go, go, Gadget dick page <laughs> <laughs> i had a crush on penny growing up i did too really interesting it was age appropriate because i was also a child sure. at yeah, the yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. i was a child yeah but penny was penny was a dime to me yeah i'd even go as high as a quarter, a quarter. <laughs> i would go susan b anthony dollar right not a penny more though you know what i'm saying Anyway, they're getting ready for prom and all of her other friends are like, we're going to the hot tub club. Where is you guys? Oh, I heard Tommy got a room at the Valley Sheridan. Ooh. We cut to prom night. She is in a what looks like my mom's bridesmaids dresses from 1982 off the shoulder very flowy very of the time uh it was 80s <laughs> but before they found the color of the 80s yeah 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 before they found the brightness of the 80s yeah, is what yeah, i would yeah. say because it's like white and it's nice it's nice. it looks sort of like late 70s more than 80s to me yeah well and, and yeah. tommy's in a pink suit that looks very 70s a baby pink suit i loved it though like i would wear that suit today 
Well, I can't find out what kind of suit Mr. Murdahl wears to court tonight. <laughs> we don't find out. Anyway, so uh, her da- there's a weird side quest of like her dad getting high in the bathroom before taking their prom pictures. That yes. just like, why is it here? It doesn't go anywhere. Throughout the whole film, they linger on the parents, these two parents, too long every time. Yeah, they give us way too much of their story. Yeah, we. this is where we find out that they got married last September. Like, yeah. But they've been together the whole time. <laughs> it was just... Anyway, they get to prom where Josie Cotton is their prom band, which, hey, Johnny, are you queer? It's a bop. <laughs> Still a bop. Uh, odd choice for a prom, but fun, you know? I feel like it's a it's a song about, you know, questions that should be answered maybe before prom. Somebody should be asking these questions. Or a narcissist who can't accept no for an answer. That there. too. Depends on how you read that song. Anyway, the prom is just kind of a mishmash of like who's where, who's happening, what, like, so... She's there with Tommy and Tommy's trying to make a move. She's not having it because she really doesn't like Tommy. And I'm here to tell you, don't date people you don't like. Why would you do that? That's dumb. Don't do that. It's very dumb, Paige. Rule number one, don't date people you don't like. Duh. Anyway, they're doing that. Other people are trying to spike the punch. Uh, Skip and the daughter of the stepmom get there late because it is implied that they were banging it out this whole time and she was supposed to bring the cups and like the whole setup of the prom everyone's like where are the cups anyone seen any cups like everyone's super worried about these cups and then it's revealed that they're late because you know they were uh, banging it out yeah you can see these cups because i was messing with her c cups you know these cups yeah oh yeah i could have done a lot of different jokes on that one anyway so we also revealed that uh, Nicholas Cage and his friend are there and he's like okay what's the next part of the plan and his friend is just like this was the plan I did not plan any further than this so yeah, he's, he's, his friend is like Napoleon he was like let's just show up and see what happens right I don't know Waterloo who cares look yeah Napoleon had a lot of victories before <laughs> Waterloo we don't have time to get into it but he was good at war mama at Waterloo yeah song is the best thing Napoleon ever did yeah Honestly. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they go to crown Tommy and Julia as king and queen of the prom, and Nicolas Cage just gets in a full-out fist fight with Tommy, <laughs> just like backstage. And my favorite is when they go to announce and they pull back the curtain, revealing that Tommy's just getting his ass handed to him. The band just kind of goes, "Okay." A one, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 but like, he's getting beat up for like the first thirty seconds of the song. Yeah, like it's going on a long time. Yeah, and the teachers don't do anything because back then bullying was just okay. Bullying is the band's job. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we hired them for the night. But they run out the back door. Nicholas Cage and and Julia, Julie, whatever. They run out the back door where uh, the limo was waiting that Tommy had set to take them to the Valley Sheridan. And they get in and the limo's like, Valley Sheridan? And they kind of look at each other like, are we going to fuck? Okay, yes. Yeah, she starts laughing, yeah. It has your, it has your uh, moment of, oh my God, did we do the right thing from the graduate? It does. But then yeah. she's like, I'm about to do that right thing. Yeah, so they, exactly. <laughs> they take off and we get the shot of them in the back of the limo. And, and that's, that's a movie. movie. So having seen the movie and they talked about the movie, what'd you guys think about Valley Girl? I don't need to revisit it personally. It makes me sad for her friends and her and the, the shallowness of all of them. It's, I really don't 
like it. I'd like to compare this movie to another Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I love Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I definitely think this is like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet for 1983, you know? Mm. And I got my version, which is Baz Luhrmann's version, and that's the one I love. I do love that one. And I will make us do at some point. Avasti, gentlemen! Yeah. Mercutio in that movie is amazing. <sighs> so good. The so Queen good. Speech. Come on, Paige. But the Fantastic. <laughs> but this version is fun. I was happy to see it today, but like Paige, I don't think I'll revisit it either. It's mm-hmm. weird, and Nicolas Cage is always the time. Oh, yeah, for so sure. If you haven't seen it, watch it, but like you'll probably only watch it once. I think this. I haven't looked at box office, but I think this film is important. And so I think it's, it's good for us to see where these films came from, maybe. Sure. I mm-hmm. do think a lot mm-hmm. of movies were like, let's do a Valley Girl after this, you know? Yeah. And so, but yeah, I'm with you. There's much, I, there's many more movies in the 80s that I like better to revisit. Like Loverboy starring Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> like Better Off Dead. I, I prefer a Better Off Dead, personally. Can't Buy Me Love is also one of my favorites, and I love that one. I love Can't Buy Me Love, too, yeah. Anyway, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? Yes. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Valley, Valley Girl, Girl, fun, fun facts. facts. I got five fun facts, Holly, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally true. Totally. They're fun facts to the max, guys. To the max. So Nicolas Cage had a crush, a real life crush on his co-star, Deborah Foreman, and they end up dating by the end of the movie. So real life chemistry, I guess, that doesn't really show up on the screen, but they did have a crush on each other. (laughs) And while they were shooting the movie, he would write her poetry on set. And one poem was titled American Girl, which allegedly she still has a copy of to this day. And he got sued for plagiarizing by Tom Petty. (laughs) Right. Or any of the a million other people who have written a song and or poem titled American Girl. Yeah. Uh, he got sued by that doll company. <laughs> American <laughs> poem. Uh, so this is the first movie in which Nicholas Coppola is billed as Nicholas Cage because he is a Coppola. But this is where he gets his actual stage name. Is This is the first billing. The famous Coppola in the family is his uncle, though, right? I, I don't think it's his father. Oh, no, it's not his father. It's his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Not that it really matters. Francis Ford. Yeah. Uh, Now, there is, this is kind of a weird one. So on the DVD and Blu-ray artwork of of one of the versions of this that was released, uh, it's artwork of Randy and Julie, but not as Deborah Foreman, but with uh, Tina, and I apologize, I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, the Burge, who plays the nightclub lover. So they have like the wrong person on the artwork for like the DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That is weird. Yes. So in the making of documentary, Elizabeth Daly admitted that she didn't know how to talk like a valley girl. So she wrote like, she has her own actor secret for that character that she's like, she was from Malibu instead. And I'm like, no one asked and no one cared. Like, I think that's very funny that she was worried about it when there are way more things to be worried about in this film. Um, but it just shows that her her commitment to the character. I honestly don't know that there are more things to be worried about in this film. Very low stakes. <laughs> now, originally, this film was supposed to be a film version of a Frank Zappa song called Valley Girl released the year before. <laughs> but he re- he refused to give them the rights. That sentence... 
was the most 80s sentence I think I've ever heard you say. Um, he refused to give them the rights to the song. He didn't want any part of it. Uh, and they made the movie anyway, not necessarily based on the song, because he ends up suing them and losing the case because there's not proven to be enough of a link. But I actually was able to confirm that when uh, the stepmom... Uh, Lee Purcell says plastics. It is a reference to The Graduate. And that is also why we have the final scene of the film. Those were deliberately put in as as nods to The Graduate. I mean, I don't think I was right about It's a Wonderful Life. Like I, I... Probably. But <laughs> the script was written in 10 days. That is so easy to believe. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I can see that. Now, uh, this is also one of Kevin Smith's favorite movies of all time. Okay. And when his wife, uh, Jennifer Schwalbeck Smith, went into labor with their daughter, they brought this to watch in the hospital. Now, they actually shot some of this chronologically. It, the breakup scene in particular was shot late in filming. And by that point, Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman were already dating. And so it took several takes and counseling from people on set to try try and get them to nail that scene. And ultimately they told Deborah Foreman to think of another guy she had broken up with to try and just get the scene filmed. And apparently it was very tough for them to actually complete it. Wild. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they could just like try acting next time. <laughs> you could, but I, no guarantees. I, I realize it's way harder than just that. I'm joking, <laughs> just clearly. act. Fucking assholes. Dance, monkey, dance. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm joking. <laughs> when Randy and Julie first go into the music club, which, you know, eventually becomes the Viper Room. Yeah. There's an upcoming list of gigs advertised and it advertises the Plim Souls and Katie Seagal, now known as Katie Seagal, but spelled differently, Holy of shit. Futurama fame and Married with Children fame oh my uh, God. because she was in a band at that point. That's so cool. It's super fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, the master cards shown in the opening are actually the card of the film's co-writer and the card swiper reveals that it is not the Sherman Oaks Galleria, but the Wet Seal Store in Torrance, California, substituting for budget restrictions. Now, there are portions of this that are filmed at the Galleria, particularly exter external shots. Those are harder to fake, right? Like, yeah. Right. Uh, the internal uh, in Torrance, Torrance is about an hour south of where we are right now. But an easier mall to get to and uh, a less trafficked mall, I would say. So lighter traffic, easier to film. Um, this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite romantic comedies. He has talked about it quite a bit. I feel like I understand why he likes this movie. And apparently there are a lot of articles about this movie in development where it was pitched as a uh, an exploitation film, which there are a number of exploitation films at this time in the early 80s that are kind of these like sex comedy kind of movies. And I think that's what it was pitched as. And it still has some elements of that to a degree, um, but ultimately skews more mainstream than they expected. Um, but that's why it doesn't super surprise me that it's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorites. There are pieces of this that I think really get at his love of grindhouse cinema. So, uh, despite being a movie partially about the punk rock scene, there is no punk rock on the soundtrack or even in the movie, uh, which I find funny. That's what I thought. I was like laughing so hard with that. Yep. Michelle Pfeiffer was originally considered for the role of Julie. Uh, director Martha Coolidge was actually required by the film's producers to show female breasts at least 
four times. Oh, Jesus. Okay, yeah. They thought it would make the movie more appealing to younger wait, men. Wait, wait. Two, two times for for two boobs? Right. Are we talking, is one boob, does that count once? You gotta let me finish the fun facts because this all is a part of it. <laughs> I can't believe that this is a part of it, but please continue. She agreed in order to get the directing job, but she found a loophole because they didn't say if it had to be both or one, and it didn't say how long the shots had to be. They just had to be on screen. And so each instance of nudity in the film appears for mere seconds each time. Love it. Good for her. Yep. Now, I'll end on this one because it's pretty fun. And there are tons of fun facts about this. This is one of those ones where there's a million, and if you want to go find more, there's a ton. But one of my favorites was that when this was released in Italy, the title used was La Ragazza di San Diego. And even though San Diego is about three hours away from where this movie takes place. <laughs> and those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So do you guys want to take a guess as to how much this movie cost them to make it in 1983? I'm guessing like three pounds of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say five million. I'm going to say less just because it was old. I'm going to say three million. Okay. It was $350,000. <laughs> And if you adjust that for inflation, that's, that's roughly... That's five pounds of cocaine. <laughs> if you adjust that for inflation, that's roughly $1 million. It's $1,078,000. But this movie came out the weekend of April 29th, 1983. It was number four in the theaters that weekend. It was beat by the number one movie that weekend, Flashdance. Number two was Something Wicked This Way Comes. Number three was Tootsie. Number four was Valley Girl. And number five was, of course, The Hunger. What do you think Valley Girl brought in in its opening weekend? I'm going to say 900,000. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? Two million. Mikey, you're super close. It's 1.8 million dollars. So in its opening weekend, it like way outdid its budget, right? It did yeah. really well. It was in theaters for a total of 26 weeks because in the That's 80s, how movies worked back yeah, in the day. Like, there just weren't many <laughs> options, but it was never again in the top five, although it did trickle back into top into the top six in its fourth week but was then never again in the top 10. But again, it was in theaters for 26 weeks. So what do you think this movie brought in domestically in the box office? I'm going to say 5 million domestically. 10. Mikey, you are closer, although it's $16.8 million. It did very well. I also think maybe this, like, there weren't a lot of options. So, like, people were like, let's just go see Valley Girl again, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a terrible movie. But if you adjust that $16 million for inflation, that's roughly $51.7 million today. But again, to go from a $350,000 budget to a $16.8 million return, that's great. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. So that's your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that romance scale? Yeah, romance scale is how romantic we found the film on a scale of 1 to 10. Page. 
one. Odd. Also a one. Mm-hmm. I also give it a one. Do we even want to do a roar scale? I mean, I'll we give just... it 0. 0.5 on the roar scale okay. for for the age appropriate relationship between grocery boy and the daughter. Okay. I guess that scene is somewhat sexy. It's just not like I don't know. It's... They're they're trivial characters, so exactly. you're not as attached yeah. to yeah, them. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. And that's our romance scale. All right. So this week. Mikey, you made us watch Valley Girl. I think it's my pick. Is it that is right? your pick. So we have finished our Richard Curtis season, if you will. Thank fucking God. Although I will eventually <laughs> make us watch Here I Go Again, which is the, the, the ABBA musical he actually was involved in. But it's my pick for next week, and I've been wanting to do a movie that I saw months ago, but was I was during my Richard Curtis months uh and it's i honestly didn't think it would be a romance at all and i actually sort of fell in love with the love story in this movie called pinball the man who saved the game what the fuck is it a romance these reactions are justified based upon what i just said to you i don't know if it's fully classified as a romance but i think it is one Natalie saw it with me and she just said, absolutely it is. Okay. It's technically listed as uh, biography, comedy, drama. Uh, I first heard this story on an episode of Drunk History. Okay. That's the reason I watched this movie. The movie tells that story in a way that like makes it very clear that that man does not see what he did for pinball as like his defining moment in his life. What he sees as the defining moment in his life is his wife and his kids. And that, like, story, like, made me sort of fall in love with this movie. Anyway, so I'm going to make you guys watch it. I don't care. It's not listed as a romance, technically. I can't be any worse than Richard Curtis. I'm going to fucking force you to watch fucking Time Cop. (laughs) I will watch time. I want to watch time. We should watch it while we're here. I've we had should. a very difficult time trying to prove Raising Arizona might fit with this podcast, and we're just going to throw in a pinball movie right after this. It's, it's fine. I know it sounds bonkers. I'm really putting myself out there because I have seen it, and I love it. And I hope you guys don't hate it. Go in with an open mind. It's not about the pinball. It's a metaphor. I just don't know if I can trust your 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 taste after you hate Oppenheimer. Because Oppenheimer also thought, really, it was the 30 to 40 women that he loved really defined his life. God, I just hate that Nolan does not believe that I can hold two thoughts in my head at one time. And he'll have to, like, montage jump 40 years to give me the payoff for something that's set up. And then it jumps into the future so I can see that payoff immediately instead of building a narrative story that makes sense we get it it's your last jedi (laughs) you've talked to an average moviegoer correct yeah i mean there are other biographies that are way better than oppenheim we don't have to talk about i don't want to talk about oppenheim like gettysburg the biography of the battle of gettysburg i've seen gettysburg i've never seen gettysburg but well they're making the confederates giddies out of here (laughs) y'all shut the fuck up so i can force todd to watch time cop like right now (laughs) i will watch time cop but not before you guys watch pinball the man who saved the game that came out this sorry it technically came out 2022 um and it's on hulu you can watch it on hulu all right. It's great. Y'all be eating crow next week. Or I will. But listeners, your homework is to watch Pinball, the man who saved the game, and then find out who's eating crow next week. Statistically, you do feast on a lot of crow. <laughs> 
I will say this, not for movies I've actually seen. That's true. That is fair. And I will say, I am putting that reputation on the line right now, and I realize that. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's like the last vestige of hope I have in myself. <laughs> I was hoping you would pick Loverboy, and I'm just disappointed. Honestly, Mikey, I'm going to leave that to you, because it is a Mike E movie. Yes. Anyway, so Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I'm looking it up now. Heck yeah. Well, while you're looking one up, let me read one of our Spotify comments that we got recently under our Honeymoon in Vegas episode. And that was from Eric the Maniac. And he says this, honestly, I thought this whole time based on the cover art of this podcast that Todd was Mikey and that Mikey was Todd. I checked out both their Instagrams and I was totally wrong. Am I crazy? And first off, rude for Mikey. That's very hurtful. My favorite is people who think I'm tall. There's a lot of people that say I have a tall voice. I don't know what that means. You do have like a tall energy to you. I could see that. I thought Jake was going to be taller. That's fair. Mikey, when we hugged, I felt like he was the biggest man on earth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know. Jake, I once again want to apologize for always making it weird. Your erection when you held him was the weirdest part, I think, for him. <laughs> that was honestly the most natural. Anyway, so <laughs> thank you, Eric the Maniac, for leaving that comment under our... Um, episodes on spotify and if you want to have your comment read leave it a, a leave us a comment on spotify mikey whose review are you going to read this week panda mom five what does panda mom five have to say i'm mad at y'all uh the 365 episode was so hilarious that i sought out the movie and it was hot white hot trash <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah it is I feel like we made that very clear in our review of it. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that just means the podcast <laughs> is that good to make something go so bad so funny. You're welcome. 10 out of 10 lion roars. And then also five <laughs> stars. Well, Panda Mom 05, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab, and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. Like, I totally want to dump my cummerbund all up in you. Oh, God. <laughs> to the max, Mikey. To the max. For sure. Bye. <laughs> Totally love this superficial movie, nerds. La, 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 la.